0: Link to the Higher Ideas Podcast, where ideas grow. Connect on Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, or higherideas.net. Now here's your host, I. Hello fellow human and welcome back to the Higher Ideas Podcast. So over the last couple episodes uh, over at Higher Ideas, uh, a new topic has been introduced in a big way in the last couple of episodes and that is ayahuasca and of course i have to spend some time here trying to describe it to people who have maybe never heard of it before um, and then again for people who are um, finding this podcast because they're amassing information about ayahuasca in preparation for approaching it i think people in general uh, are wise to do this before they approach ayahuasca to do a whole lot of research and absorb everything they can to try and prepare themselves for um, this this huge impact they're heading towards the ayahuasca experience so i think this episode will be interesting to either one of those groups people who have never heard about it and are curious what i'm talking about or people who are curious about it and are trying to absorb now the fact is out there on the internet there is a ton of of information about ayahuasca and an episode like this is almost kind of redundant um, so i'm going to try to offer something uh, beyond the general information that's out there online i did my own research before going uh, to ayahuasca the first time uh, so i ended up finding very uh, mainstream sources for my information documentaries uh, popular drug discussion websites Uh, forums you know YouTube channels people talking about their experiences that kind of thing and in general uh, what I found at least in my experience at that time was that most of the information was centered around the chemical makeup of the tea that you drink right what are the chemicals in there what are they called how do they interact how do they work on the body very scientific information in that sense and the rest of the information was about the experience itself after you have taken the brew what kind of visions a person's going to have so it was answering questions like what will it feel like what will it be like what will i see uh, what will i go through but that's only a slice of the entire experience that's only focusing in on the most of course interesting parts. some might say because it's the most intense right the actual uh, experience of, of the substance and the effects. But there's a whole other world wrapped around that that uh, I wanna highlight today because I didn't find so much information about it in my own research. So all that being said, if you wanna know that kind of information about ayahuasca, the chemical makeup, uh, you know, the kind of effects it has on people, please go and Google it and find the bulk, the massive bunch of information Uh, of that sort that's out there. And let's just put it this way. um, That information, that kind of information, is like the seed in an apple. And I want to describe the rest of the apple. The leaves, the flesh, the skin, uh, the juices, you know? So let's get to it. So let's get the most basic out of the way. Um, Ayahuasca is something you drink. It's a brew that's brewed for many hours uh, that contains... Several different plants, depending on the brewer, um, that you drink. It tastes foul um, and uh, it it causes hallucinations over many, many hours. Uh, It can also cause vomiting and diarrhea very, very commonly, which people generally regard as a part of the healing. Um, People have described feeling that this was not normal vomit or diarrhea this was this felt like it was releasing things on an energetic level it feels like it's working through every organ and really squeezing you um, and getting all the, the bad stuff out um, so it's a very cleansing kind of purge um, and by and large in general these days this experience is 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 done in a group setting so you will have a sort of leader sometimes two or three leaders in a space dedicated to this experience for these hours um and then you'll have from one to a dozen to more participants that have come to participate for their own healing for their own purposes for their own study so it's a very communal community it's it's a really communal experience and that's one of the things that uh I wasn't really thinking about when I was approaching it. It was very much about my experience and what I was going to encounter, but I didn't realize how important the community aspect was going to be. Um, So that's one thing to keep in mind. Probably you won't be by yourself with a shaman. Probably you'll be with a group in the space having this intense experience. But I'll get to that a little later. Now, it's important to say that traditionally... Um, this isn't how things would go in these rituals, in these ceremonies that, that have been going on for a really long time in the Amazon. Traditionally, only the shaman would drink this substance, and he'd be the one to get into this altered state of mind and affect healing through energy work. You could say, you know, uh, through manipulating the, the the things he can perceive from his state of mind to affect healing on a person if they're critically in need of help or in other kinds of situations it's a more divinatory role meaning someone needs to find a lost child or um, someone needs to know uh, who's been stealing their chickens, you know, things like that and um, as, as wild as it may sound, it seems that shamans who are experienced with this substance can take it And sort of take a soul flight and go investigate things and find out information beyond that space, beyond that room. Travel through time to find the answer they're looking for. And a lot of the times at the end of uh, the shaman's experience, he will deliver um, a sort of verdict, a sort of uh, prescription, if you will. So sometimes the result will be instant healing, um, you know, uh, you had a fever and I've, I've quelled it, it'll be okay, it'll pass, take these plant medicines perhaps, these plants said they can help you, so here you go, and good luck, right? Um, or the result from the shaman's investigations could be sort of life advice, uh, 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 something the person needs to change in their behavior that will solve the problem that brought them to this shaman. For example, in one of the ayahuasca books I've read, it's described that a man comes to a shaman um, asking for healing on his foot. So the shaman drinks and investigates the situation, and after everything, he tells the man, there's nothing really wrong with your foot. But I noticed that uh, many times a week, you go and you get really drunk at a bar around the corner from your house, and every time you get so drunk that you come home and and trip on that cement step coming into your house that has a, a hole right in front of it and you twist your foot every time but you're too drunk to remember so just stop getting that drunk or fix the hole and that's the cure right so it's it's, it's kind of hilarious but that's the kind of work uh, that's the kind of position these shamans would have these ayahuasca shamans Um, These are the kinds of services they would perform by drinking the ayahuasca. But as I said, in general, historically, only the shaman would drink. And the person coming to the shaman for immediate healing or advice, etc., wouldn't drink the stuff. This is a very new phenomenon only in the last couple of generations, uh, since basically the 60s, when adventurous hippies started traveling down there and hearing about this substance and paying shamans to let them drink it. And it's become a business over time. Um, It's it's got its negatives and it's got its positives that this is happening. But to me, definitely, one of the positives of that shift um, is that basically anybody undertaking uh, this experience of drinking ayahuasca with a shaman in these uh, settings. Anybody doing this is embarking on a shamanic apprenticeship, no matter how short their journey may be. It may be that a person drinks only once and, and says, okay, that's enough for me, that's all I need, thank you, sir, um, as I thought I had. Uh, I didn't think I'd ever touch this stuff again after my first time. Or it may be that the person is compelled to continue uh, exploring this mystery and eventually find themselves becoming uh, a a junior shaman or some kind of healer or someone who's very good at at navigating the experience to the degree that they can then start providing the experience for others. So it's kind of a beautiful thing. It's kind of a great thing that it isn't only exclusive to people who are approaching it with lifelong dedication from the get-go. It's kind of nice that it's opened up in a way, and and is now available to anyone who who wants to experience it um which which is kind of an opening up to the recruitment of new healers and new shamans in the world which i think is great i think that can only help uh, only though if if people are serious about it and approach it with respect and this thing doesn't get dumbed down to some kind of thrill like skydiving or something um Please approach it with respect if you are planning to approach it. And please realize that, that point, that you are embarking by drinking the substance. Um, you are sort of throwing yourself into the shamanic initiation. Um, and, and you must approach it with some kind of respect uh, that reflects that. I mean, another way to look at this that really sort of wraps it up nicely is, uh, the Native American spirit quests, right? Sometimes that has drugs involved, uh, s- such as cactuses or mushroom, or sometimes it's pure spiritual energy involved in this, this, this manhood quests, uh, that, that, um, people would undertake in these cultures. It, it's, it's a trial. It's, uh, a journey that is meant to change your life uh, you're seeking something and, and you're hoping that the spirits come through and deliver a message or healing or a solution to you instead of asking the shaman to do it for you in these group ritual cases you're taking it yourself and saying I'm gonna do my best to find it and face it myself but of course, having a shaman at the helm, an experienced shaman, definitely helps um, in case of turbulence. Um, and it does seem that that this leader of a ceremony has some measure of navigation control on everyone's experience, which is really, uh, really fascinating and mysterious. And you know, this kind of leads me into the shaman. This is uh, a figure. That is often um, briefly discussed in people's ayahuasca experiences. There is this figure that's always there, the leader of the moment, the, the, the guy in charge, the guy holding everything together, the strong pillar at the center of um, this experience happening. Um, this is the shaman. And this can be a man, this can be a woman, but what counts is that this person has experience with this substance, with these forces, and is able to um modulate things as the need arises and of course most importantly this person stays cool under pressure because people can panic people can have really serious uh, sort of um emotional purges happen during these experiences they can start to freak out uh, kick against uh, whatever is being shown to them and so the shaman needs to stay cool and calm and is there for you as a sort of support um, and that's why I think it's important for people uh, to at least in the beginning experience ayahuasca in that kind of setting with a professional person um, in charge instead of just uh, brewing it up for themselves as some people can do and you know jumping in alone um, unless you're extremely experienced um, in, in meditative work and psychedelic work that's really ill-advised And the shaman is this really amazing figure that sort of holds the space, um, holds the moment for everyone. And of course, the shaman can come uh, to anyone in this space at any moment that he feels compelled to approach to do uh, some kind of work, uh, blow tobacco smoke over the person. There's a lot of tobacco smoke blowing in these uh, ceremonies. It it is a, a sacred tool to them. Um, you know, there may be some spraying of perfumes, uh, through the mouth. They may take it in the mouth and blow it out over the person causing a mist. Um, they, um, may come in and, and suck on the person, um, in, in, in various places of the body, sort of, uh, you know, just suck in energy, trying to release a blockage for someone, um. Is that theater? Is that actually sucking out energy? You know, that's debatable, but the point is for that person in that moment, that means something and it does affect things. So it's sort of theater. It's sort of legitimate energy work. It's mystical and it's theatrical. Um, it, it's, it's, it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing to see this person at work during a ceremony. And that's something I hadn't extensively known about before going over there. As I said, most of what I've heard about ayahuasca, um, people seem to describe their experience, and the shaman is sort of over there doing his thing, and they don't focus so much on him or her. But yes, this figure is an essential ingredient in uh, the full, quote-unquote, ayahuasca experience. So it's important to know, uh, wherever you go, whether it's in a city, whether it's in a jungle... It's important to know from other people, word of mouth is important, um, to know that this person knows what they're doing, that this person can handle a situation and, um, you know, is a good person, not a, a scoundrel or um, a manipulator or, you know, a money grubber. You know, you have to know that these are good, solid, reputable people because you're going to be putting your your sanity in their hands, basically, Um, Don't just put that in the hands of anyone. And that brings us to the ritual, to the ceremony. So here we are, a bunch of people in a space. Uh, If you're in the Amazon, it's probably a wooden maloca, as I've described in episode 42. Um, if you're in the city, it may be a quiet place out of the city, you know, in the woods somewhere, or some cabin. It may be a quiet basement. You know, it could be any number of spaces. But what counts is, during these hours-long ritual-slash-ceremonies, here is a group of people come together, drinking um, a substance that will cause them to open up in very vulnerable ways. And here everyone is waiting for the energies to come, for the moments to happen that people need individually here and there. And you will hear people having their moments. Uh, If you're in a group, um, you will be distracted from your own experience, sometimes by someone across the room who starts moaning very loudly. Um, I've had an experience in a group where in the middle of the ceremony, a woman across the space started having what sounded like a massive, almost painful orgasm, moaning and shouting and struggling. These these you know these really um, these really uh, reflexory um, um, utterings coming out of her, and it sounded like she was either giving birth or having a really powerful orgasm. Now, both of these things are extremely personal moments. And here we are all together in this space, everyone listening to this, everybody experiencing this woman's experience for the time that uh, she became loud. And that affected my own um, direction in, in that particular ceremony. My my experience was shifted towards thoughts of sexuality and things like that because of of, of her um um upstart right but that was also part of my healing that that led me into sexual and birth related quarters of my enlightenment and healing so everyone is together everyone opens up and you may be affected by someone else at the other side of the space just by the sounds they make just by the the shocking moments that may happen a person might have a freak out and that might impact everyone else a person might start crying their heart out because some difficult um difficult experience has come up and is resolving for them so they're having this emotional outburst and everyone else in the space although they don't interfere and mostly keep to themselves you know the shaman will come and help that person but everyone else witnesses it and that's really another thing i hadn't heard much uh warning about warning you're about to basically get naked with a group of people emotionally spiritually naked and you can't go in there with reservations because that's what the ritual is the ritual is everyone's heart opening together in a space that that is regarded as a sacred moment and when everyone's egos are down and everyone's hearts are open together in this space this is the space for miracles and healing and, and, and necessary shifts to happen. Um, what I'm trying to describe here is that ayahuasca alone does not affect all of the healing. A significant portion of the healings that can be experienced in ayahuasca come from the community. The communal experience of all of we humans come together in this space in respect and mutual um, understanding that we all have issues, we're all working with something, and, and, and feeling other people's pains, other people's joys, other people's struggles, and, and acknowledging it just by experiencing it, just by hearing it honestly come out of them. There's something healing about that, about being able to have something come out of you in front of a bunch of people, and nobody judges you for it. Everyone's dealing with their own thing, and, and people see it, and sort of there's a feeling of, of being given a nod by everyone. Uh, you know, I see that, and, you know, I hope you get better. And, and somehow the synergy... Of everybody experiencing together and and being honest and open healing happens just from that alone not to mention all the other layers at work the the medicine itself the shaman's uh, interactions God you know the spirits uh, energies you know there's so much mixing together in that boiling pot of the ritual Um, but community the communal space the communal hearts is is one that that again is not often highlighted so i'm happy i could highlight it here it's really really um an amazing feeling um a humbling feeling um and it just teaches you so much about what humanity could be i think it's really close to what people who live in really small village communities must feel on a daily basis Um, when you live in the jungle in a small village, I'm pretty sure there aren't many secrets. And just from experiencing little details, um, living with Maestro for a while, um, I saw even the cultural differences in the cities in, in Tarapoto, the city, the small city that, um, that the shaman was based in. Um, for example, his son, um, I heard him having sex with his wife in the room right next to me because the rooms didn't have ceilings. Uh, It was a big sort of house, uh, sort of like a big garage with uh, segmented rooms with no ceiling. And they did it with no shame. And everyone was in the house and everyone can hear it. And that's not something you're used to in these Western societies where we're all sort of segmented off and separated from each other. So even those little moments outside the ritual, um, again, community, um, experiencing uh, a culture where there are less barriers and um, people are more honest about you know their lives about humanity about about you know really human things about themselves there's something really healing about that but in the space of an ayahuasca ritual definitely that'll come out um, that kind of vulnerability that kind of nakedness will come out and it's okay it's part of the process and now another thing you'll encounter in these typical ayahuasca ceremonies are the songs. I gave you an example of one of those songs in episode 42, but these songs are called ikaros, and they can be short, they could be longer, they have all sorts of different styles. Um, some of them are all high notes, some of them dip into the low notes, some of them are all over the place, but they're just amazing when performed by skillful. Um, shamans they're just they're beautiful especially under the effect of ayahuasca when everyone's heart is opened you seem to feel a whole other level to these beautiful songs being launched into the space once in a while and and I've taken part in certain ceremonies that have three shamans at the front of the room all of them chanting together some of them seem to be chanting different songs that mesh perfectly with uh, the other songs and it sort of becomes a concert and you know one way that I sort of describe in my own mind um, what an ayahuasca ritual is, is a concert, a beautiful vocal performance by really skilled chanters under the effects of a trippy substance that, that only raises your appreciation of what you're hearing but this is a concert where miracles might happen So let's just put it this way. At worst case scenario, you're going to have a really amazing concert. Best case scenario, maybe a miracle will show up. It's, it's, you never know what'll happen in a ritual. That's another thing. You never know. You don't know what's going to happen anytime you drink ayahuasca. And no one can promise you anything's going to happen. Uh, the last time I went to Peru, there were a couple of australian guys there who just weren't getting visions uh, for two three ceremonies they weren't getting any visions and they were getting really disappointed sort of blaming the shaman for it thinking you know the medicine was no good but if you're not ready for the visions it's just not going to happen you, no one can force it not even the shaman i don't think i think the shaman can help make it more likely but really um for the medicine's interaction with you and what'll be brought up That's entirely between you and the substance, um, and destiny, in a way. Are you ready to face what it wants to tell you, or are you open to hear it, right? You can always struggle against medicine. You can always struggle against healing. And if you're lucky, the medicine and the healing is usually stronger than you can struggle. Sometimes, most of the time, in my own case, I need to be dragged into it. So I think now that should give people a pretty good idea even if you've never heard of ayahuasca, of what I mean when I talk about the ceremony, when I talk about the ritual, these are words that sound really religious in nature and sort of maybe um, icky to some people. But when it comes to ayahuasca, this is what the ritual is. Um, as Maestro described to me one year, um, it's just my heart open and your heart open in this moment that we've set aside for the sacred sharing to happen. Now, there's another thing a person might encounter in their ayahuasca experience, depending uh, at which location they go. Um, if you're in the city, it's less likely. If you go into a jungle somewhere and try to do it in a more quote-unquote traditional way, you're more likely to encounter the dieta. Now, the dieta is a sort of a period after your first ritual, Um, upon arrival you'll have your first ritual maybe that night uh, but as soon as possible and then for the next amount of time that you'll be there if you're gonna be at this camp for a week or five weeks whatever amount of time um, sometimes the person running the space will decide that you need to go into isolation for the rest of the time that you're there which means you've got a little spot out in the jungle, uh, away from even, um, you know, this this shaman's area, um, really sort of out of contact from anybody except yourself and nature. And you're going to be by yourself day and night, only uh, receiving contact uh, from the shaman or his assistants when they bring you food throughout the day. And what you'll be eating is is, um, absolutely unstimulating. That means no salt, no sugar, very little, if any, flavor. Um, It'll be stuff like bland rice with absolutely no spices. So it only tastes like water, barely even tastes like rice. Um, The most flavorful thing I experienced in my own dieta was uh, boiled uh, baked potato with absolutely nothing on it, but only the flavor of a potato after being isolated from any flavor. Uh, was so intense and beautiful, and I gained an appreciation for uh, simply the taste of potato. This humble taste of potato was the sweetest spice in that uh, scenario. Because you can imagine day after night after day after night of of flavorless food, very minimalist food. So uh, boiled plantain, potato, and rice, and uh, sometimes some sort of uh, gruel, like oatmeal, Right. And the idea is to cut you off from stimulation, to make you more sensitive, to make you more um, receptive to energies that are trying to work through you, to, um, you know, subtle lessons that you may otherwise have not noticed if your senses hadn't become so peaked. It really, really does peak your senses and your, your sensitivity in general to isolate yourself from that kind of stimulation and it's amazing to discover that when you go through a dieta so as i said this will go on for a length of time um, isolated from people isolated from stimulus and you're not supposed to think about sex you're not supposed to masturbate you're definitely not supposed to have sex because you're supposed to be alone and uh, the only person you talk to is uh, the shaman or his assistant's uh, once in a while when they bring you food. And then throughout that span, you may be given ayahuasca by yourself in isolation. You may be given separate plant medicines to allow them to do their work on you in this sensitive state. But the important point is, is isolation from stimulus, even uh, taste, even smell, no perfumes. Um, it's It's a very bland stretch of time. But it's amazing what comes up uh, through this experience. It's it's almost like a fast. Anyone who has done fasting, there are numerous books and, and proponents of, of fasting. It, it really realigns a lot for you to sort of give your senses a break that way. And let me tell you, after uh, a week or two weeks or whatever it is of this kind of diet, um, when you finally taste food again, when you're done and, and you're back on regular food, when you taste salt again, when you taste onion again, when you taste vinegar again, it is almost electric. It is so strong. And that alone is a lesson. It teaches you how how we pound on our bodies so hard. I mean, we're raised in these salty, sugary um, um, um you know, intake societies, and we become desensitized to it. And it's amazing how fast you become unsensitized to them in this kind of dieta situation. And then you find yourself less drawn to it when you come back to it. It's It hits you so hard in the face, I'm telling you, um, that, that your intake of salt and sugar and anything stimulating and harsh like that is way down for a long time and you have to ramp up really slowly to get back to where you were before, if you want to get back to that level of uh, sugar and salt intake, you know? It's a really good cleanse. It's 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 great. It's definitely challenging, it's definitely difficult but it's such a valuable extra layer after receiving the punch of an ayahuasca ceremony upon arrival to be put in this isolated situation and, and um, it seems like the healing only sinks in more deeply from that format. And I think that's a really great format um, that they have formed over there. Now, again, traditionally, um, in the strictest sense, traditionally this kind of diet um, experience, this kind of isolation experience, was for shamanic apprentices. This is what an apprentice would do to get to know a medicine. Uh, the, the, the apprentice would have to experience um, a certain plant medicine, only that medicine, for any amount of time was deemed necessary for the apprentice to get to know that medicine um, in this in this isolated, um, bland state where he could devote full sensory attention. To this medicine and in this stretch of time the apprentice may have dreams where the medicine comes to him and and teaches him how to use it but it's all due to this isolated state uh, leading one to be so receptive to the energies at work it's really fascinating stuff I hope this is fascinating for someone listening I hope this isn't uh, just me sitting here um, sort of uh, nerding out on something that I'm personally fascinated by but really it's the kind of information that I, I wasn't told before going in, um, and even now that I'm fascinated by it, I have a really hard uh, time finding more information about it online. It's really, really not that deeply discussed. So I'm glad to share it here to add to anybody's um, curiosity. Now, of course, in my case, it was a really sort of uh, full package deal the way I ended up experiencing it. You had the ayahuasca ritual, uh, and then you had the isolation with the dieta, and I was in the jungle, in the Amazon jungle. Now, that's a whole other layer. That is an entire other um, um, level of energy to add into the overall experience that you're having. Because during the ritual, you've got the interaction of nature, uh, the sounds outside. Sometimes, you know, a bat will fly through the space in the ceiling and you'll hear it flapping around. You know, you'll hear an animal call outside. Um, there's all of this, even the weather, even the weather, a storm may blow through um, and add to the experience or, or give it a whole other dimension. Um, this is sort of another level beyond the songs that the shaman is singing. There is the song of life. All around that definitely will modulate the ayahuasca experience itself jack it up to a whole other level of uh, power but then there is nature still there beyond the ritual beyond your actual ayahuasca experience if you go into the jungle Uh, whether it be peru or ecuador or anywhere else this is going on and experience ayahuasca in nature you're also dealing with this other impact of running into deep deep nature and and finding a way to walk through it and and Um, sort of create boundaries with it and trust, learn to trust that it's not there to kill you but still be on your guard because there are dangers, you know, there's this whole other relationship that needs to be negotiated um, between yourself and nature just from being in the jungle I mean, let's put it this way let's say you only went to the Amazon jungle, just to go to the Amazon jungle, that's already an experience that's going to change you In a lot of ways so add that to ayahuasca and 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 um the whole community heart open space and the dieta i mean this is you can see how ayahuasca this experience the whole package can be such a tremendous force for change in a person's life i mean you're just you're just being um put through all sorts of new experiences on so many levels that that you can't help but come out a different person. And that same effect I'm describing of, of encountering nature to an intensity you hadn't experienced before, sort of going to an alien planet, right? For people from the city, going to the jungle is like going to another planet. Now, in that same way, just going to another culture has a similar sort of impact, right? Interacting with these different types of people, that you you have never encountered before and all of the subtleties you notice in their way of life in their personalities um and their open-heartedness or just their simplicity their happiness with simplicity um their toughness my god how impressed i've been at the toughness and strength of even women um in these in these villages who can lift things that i can't even lift but they don't look particularly muscular they're just strong they're just strong humans that's a whole other thing to encounter um there are so many layers fellow human um i i'm only trying to give you a sense of how much there is around ayahuasca and a proper ayahuasca experience that isn't just about the drug that isn't just about the visions it's about everything you're going to be running into around going to that experience and while you are at that place to have that experience uh transformative on so many levels teaching on so many levels healing on so many levels and uh empowering uh, in so many levels so i'm gonna wrap it up here because um you know that was a lot and i hope going forward uh, those of you who had no idea what ayahuasca was will now have a certain uh, depth of appreciation of what i'm talking about Um, And those of you, again, who are researching, uh, looking into setting up their own ayahuasca encounter, I really hope this helps. If you'd like to return the favor, there are many ways you can help uh, me out and the podcast. Uh, First of all, you can check out my book, uh, Ayahuasca, Terror and Miracles, in the Peruvian Amazon. You can find it at terrorandmiracles.com. If you'd like to find out more about that book, do check out episode 42 and its follow-up, episode 43. Then again, you can share this episode, you can comment on this episode, you can help this spread, you could give this podcast life by participating and, and carrying it forward through society further than I can. So please do share on Facebook um, every episode I put up. Uh, I share on Facebook, so you can share that post on your own wall, in your own groups. Uh, and please, if you have any questions, any comments, find me on Facebook, join me as a friend, and, uh, you'll be free to comment, uh, under each episode post. Uh, I would love, I would love to see discussion happening on this podcast. So please do join me at Facebook. You can find all of my social media links at higherideas.net. So until next time, fellow human, keep thinking.